Welcome to Box to Box Football. Hey, everybody. Welcome into Box to Box Football. We're going to preview. It's already week three of the Premier League, which is crazy because uh, it feels like it was summer. I guess it still is, but kind of isn't anymore. I, week three, uh, I got Stu and Kyle uh, here. Just just, just the three amigos tonight. So, three, uh, three, man, three man crew tonight. Uh, Mike Sampson was given a red card for his blasphemy at the end ooh. of uh, last week's episode. Uh, then I Damn. saw he went out and he went out and tweeted something about goal numbers and and neglected to mention that twenty of Harvey Barnes's career goals uh, were scored in either the second or third tier of English football. So, <laughs> um, so so he's he's been sent off for his his uh, his blasphemy at that's the end like, of last week. We like, kid, yeah. we kid, we kid, we kid, Mike. We, that's uh, like we talking about my penalty, you know my penalty save I made uh, for Nottingham High School back in uh, nineteen ninety one. You know. Uh, <laughs> That count as a clean sheet or something like that. I guess you know if they're going to count goals in in the in league 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 one, uh, but, but not league one. League one. But uh, yeah, yeah, make sure you follow us on uh, on Box to Box Football wherever you get your podcast. You know how it works. Uh, you know, hit the hit the like button, uh, ring the bell if you gotta. You know, if you're for ringing the bell, um, whatever it is you got to do. You know, you know how it works. Drop a comment. Um, what you like to see? What would, anything you would like to to hear from us? So. Uh, so again, uh, three-man crew tonight. So Sean and Stu, I just two weeks into the the season, um, only three teams are two wins from two. Brighton, actually Brighton, on top of the table, scored eight goals through the first two games. Now, granted, that was against four against Luton and then four against Wolves, uh, Man City, and then Arsenal, the two teams that were pegged as the the, the title front runners. Uh, but I just wanted to get get your thoughts and and Sean, I'll start with you. Uh, just uh, overall impressions two weeks into the season. Maybe what's your your overreaction? Uh, look, I mean, Brighton is really good. Uh, I think we all know that, uh, you know, once again against uh, two teams that, you know, might get one team that's going to get relegated and one team that could get relegated. So, you know, you kind of expect teams to do that. But te- other teams haven't, you know, Manchester United didn't do that against Wolves. Um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, the, the, the teams at Brighton, Manchester City and Arsenal, you know, I think they're European teams. Uh, you know, we're going to see a lot of wins from them this year. Um, you know, at the bottom of the table, uh, Everton, man, I, I just, you just see them. I, I just think they, they're, they're in a lot of trouble. I, I still, you know, Chelsea, I just don't know what to think of Chelsea at this point. Uh, we'll see. I mean, they play. By the time you're watching this, they're going to be playing today. So, um, you know, we'll see if they don't have a big result today. I think I think they're in a little bit of trouble. But, uh, you know, it's it's very early in the season. Stu, I know you gave flowers to Brighton on the on the last podcast. Uh, you have any overreactions, though, to the early part of the season? I guess Brighton would be the obvious one just because, you know, they're probably not a team that's going to finish top three like City and Arsenal are. Uh, those are the three teams that are currently at six uh, six points tied for the uh, the top of the table. Uh, I guess I would say Man United in terms of a team that maybe hasn't looked as great as we thought. But if you go on social media, I'm sure Sean can speak to this more as well. But it's, it's a lot of uh, doom and gloom for a team that I think once they get healthy – Buying a player or two, I think they'll be fine. Now, are they going to finish second or third, or is it going to be fourth or fifth? I think it's the question. But the doom or gloom that you kind of see around uh, Ten Hag's squad uh, for a guy who's 
through his first 40 games has 78 points, second to only uh, Pep Guardiola, who had 82. It's 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 tough to really be too concerned about Man United at this point. But if you go on social media, you'll see a lot of people that are concerned. I would say there are already injuries. See, see you know, like I mean, I, I, Luke Shaw is going to be out for a couple of weeks. Mason Mount's going to be out. I mean, you know, look, c- c- Luke Shaw. You know, obviously he's good, but you know, he they can. I think they can figure out a way to. You know, they could play a lot there. You know, they could put. Uh, you know, Alvaro Fernandez, I think they'll be all right against Nottingham Forest now against Arsenal. That's another deal, but uh, you know, I just I think the whole thing it's not really about it's just like everything. First of all, Manchester United Twitter is the worst, but it's just like this whole thing that's around like they, they got to get out, like the owners got to go, and now like the way they dealt with th- certain things, and they do it just gets worse and worse and worse. And like until they go, there's been some rumors this week that. Uh, there's actually been not rumors. I mean, the the press over there has gone with the fact that Cutters won the bid and uh, should be done in the next month. But uh, I think maybe a clean slate. And we'll we'll talk now about uh, this Manchester United game coming up on Saturday. Uh, Nottingham Forest coming in the Old Trafford. Now United started slow last season, two losses, and then picked it up. Uh, Forest was awful away from home last season, uh, but they they. They got 37 points at home last year, and then they they started this year with a with a victory over Sheffield United at home. Um, any concern over this game, Sean? Given the way United has started the the last couple of years? No, uh, you know, last year against Nottingham Forest, uh, you know, they played them in the League Cup semis. Um, they played them a bunch right in a row. I mean, they you know they beat them two nil in that second. They beat them two nil at Forest. They beat them 2-0 in the EFL Cup. They beat them 3-0 in the first leg, and they beat them 3-0 in the league. Um, so, you know, that's a combined last year. Uh, what's that? 10-0 in four games. And, uh, you know, the last time they played them before that was the 8-1 game back in 99. Uh, I, I just think that they're a team they don't have too many issues with. Like, uh, it's unlike Wolves. You know, I, I thought Nottingham Forest last year in those games were kind of a little naive in the way they set up. And I I just think Manchester United can go at them. It just depends, like, you know, if they're saying maybe Hoyland might play. Um, you know, if Rashford's back out to the left and, uh, you know, they got the, 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 the fidget spinner on the right and whatever, you know, the midfield, I think, you know, I think they'll be all right against Forest. But look, I mean... There's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of injuries, um, a lot of stuff going on. But this was the game last year where they kind of turned it around. I believe they played Arsenal. I think they beat Liverpool. It was either Liverpool or Arsenal in that third game last year after they started uh, They started with two losses and it kind of like turned the season around. So they just got to get through this game, win it, see what you can do at you know, Emirates is a real tough place to play, although they should have had a point last year. But uh, not a lot of concern yet. We'll see, though. This injury crisis could get could get worse. Stu, Nottingham right. Forest, is that a tricky team sometimes? We, we saw them. They went to Arsenal in the opener. They fell behind by two goals. Kind of hung around, hung around. And then I will need you has been, been really good for them, dating back to the end of last season. Scores on the counter. Scores again against uh, uh, Sheffield United last week. Uh, is Nottingham Forest a team that can, can potentially be tricky? I know they weren't great. They weren't great. They weren't very good at all on the road last season. 
I don't think so. And yeah, Sean, it was Liverpool that third game, uh, the 2-1 win for United. So thank you so much for bringing that Look, up and make, giving me those memories of that horrible. Um, I remember it was like a Monday game or something. It, yeah, yep. It wasn't great, but um, but yeah, I I cannot see this as really a trap game for United, um, especially the fact that it's at Old Trafford, right? Forest stayed up last year because they had a lot of success at home. Uh, on the road was totally different. Just one win, five draws, and thirteen losses uh, away from home for Forest. So they're a totally different team at home than they are on the road. And, and kind of like Sean said, like United has Forest numbers. Uh, whether it's the last year winning all four matches, or just you know going back uh, 15, 20 years, uh, the last ten matchups, all wins for United, thirty-six to three aggregate score. So. I don't really see this as a, a match that is going to give United a lot of trouble. I actually think it's at the perfect time, right? Like this is a match where they need to kind of show that they can score a few goals, get an easy win. I think that's what's going to happen. Maybe something like 2-0, 3-0. And like Sean said, if you have Holen starting and then you have uh, Rashford playing in his correct position, that'll be helpful. And I'll just, I guess the midfield is the one question, right? You know, Castamero is going to play. Uh, you know Bruno's going to play. It's just a matter, of, I guess, if they go McTominay or Erickson uh, alongside Casemiro. Uh, but it'll, it'll be interesting. But, I, again, I think United wins this one pretty easily. Man, you got to put in three past Matt Turner? <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least, uh, hey at, least he's, at least he's starting now, and he's going to see plenty of shots playing in front of that Nottingham Forest back four. Uh, let's go down to the capital. Oh, again, uh, just Nottingham Forest at Manchester United. That's a Saturday game. Again, these are our times, 10 a.m. Eastern time here on the on the United States. Uh, let's go down to the capital where uh, we have a London derby. Fulham is going to Arsenal. Arsenal has got two wins from two, but hasn't been overly convincing. Um, you know, didn't really have that killer instinct against Forest in the opener after the, after they got the two goal lead and then uh, Crystal Palace. Uh, picked up a look. They held on at, at, at Selhouse Park where they were, you know, the last 25 minutes playing down a man. Uh, Crystal Palace is pumping balls into the Arsenal box, able to to repel that challenge. But, uh, again, not overly convincing. Sean, your thoughts on Arsenal through two games? Uh, yeah, look, I I mean, I, I haven't really been. I actually thought Newcastle last week in the, in the loss has kind of showed me a little bit more than Arsenal has in two of these wins. Um they're going to win a lot of games because they have talented players. Uh, I, you know, I still want to see what they can do once this Champions League starts. I'm not sure how deep they are. Um, I haven't been overly impressed. Uh, I, I don't think, you know, Fulham now without Mitrovic, I, you know, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough game. I know they're going to invest some money here in the next couple of weeks. You know, you don't know who they're going to get. But uh, I, I just, you know, Fulham – uh, away, haven't you know? Haven't been great. So I, I think this is a tough match for Fulham. Uh, I, Arsenal is going to click at some point. I mean, they are they are very they are a good team. I don't want to say very good. I I still think you know even with everything that happened last year, I still think they are a level below the two teams at the top. I know Samsung's in love with them and stuff. I just think they're a level below that. I, I'm not sure who's going to in a huge game. If this game is, you know, one, one in the 80th minute here, like who's scoring the goal for them? You know, I, that's, that's my concern. Yeah. It's for me, it's, 
it's either Saka or Odegaard. Like, I think those are their two guys that in the clutch uh, with, with Gabriel Jesus, uh, you know, obviously being out. Uh, and Ketty is a little unproven. Kai Havertz is, is hit or miss. Um, but those are the two guys I would look to if, if, if I were Arsenal when it comes to scoring a big goal. Um, as, as far as from the, the Fulham perspective, uh, look, this isn't one I had penciled in for a win or, or getting any points going to the Emirates. And then, uh, you know, you have a, a, a Carabao Cup game against Tottenham midweek, and then you got to go to Man City after that. So you're in a kind of a, a, a tough stretch here. Uh, Mitrovic has been sold to, to Saudi Arabia. So, uh, you know, he went, he got his, he got his Saudi bag <laughs> that he wanted. Um, uh, but, uh, look, you've got, you've got cash to spend now if you're Fulham, uh, and you need a center forward. Like we hit, we talked about it last week on, on the pod, but uh, you know, those goals are hard to replace. You know, Mitrovic scored over a hundred goals for this club. I know a lot of them came in the, uh, you know, in the championship, we scored 40 plus in the promotion season, but he does so much for you, even when he's not scoring. Um, and, you know, I know one of those guys I liked was, was uh, a Balogun from Arsenal. Now it looks like he's going to go to Monaco for about 40 ish million dollars. Uh, He's a guy who has never been able to break in to the to the Arsenal side. He's kind of been on the the fringes of it. Uh, he would get a you know a cup game here, a cup game there. Uh, went on loan to the French league last year. Scored twenty one goals for uh, I believe that's Heimis is how you pronounce that. Um, and they're probably spelled Heim Heims spell it, but spelled R E I M S. Creams uh, in in uh, in France from in, in League One. In, in France, and uh, they're probably a notch below Monaco on the on the you know wrong if you think about the the pecking order. Monaco is typically one of the the top teams in the in the French league, uh, and, and it's an if that is where it ends up being because he's been linked to, to Chelsea, he's been sniffing around as well, and, and Fulham obviously has been been linked to him as well. But if that's where he ends up, that's a league where he's had success uh, scoring goals before. Um, I still, I don't know how much you've got a chance to see of him. He played in the nation's league, uh, the two games in the nation's league for the United States. He just pledged his, his international uh, allegiance to the U S before the, the, the summer window. Uh, he played against Mexico in the, in the semifinal that the U S won three nail. He scored his first goal for the U S in the, in the final against Canada. Uh, that was a, a two nail victory. Stu, I don't know how much you've seen of him or what kind of player you, you, you think he can be. Yeah, I think like a lot of uh, United States soccer fans, he's someone that was always a little bit on my radar, but someone obviously over the last six to eight months that I've been paying a lot more attention to um, and watching a lot more of him. Uh, he is a good player. I think he's probably a titch below what Arsenal needs, hence why they are selling him. I think he would have been a great addition for Fulham. I, like you said, Kyle, I think that would have been the guy you needed. Uh, Raul Jimenez... It's tough. He's not it. He's not, it's not it. it. And I liked him so much, especially before the head injury. Like he was one of my favorite guys to watch in terms of like the mid table teams in terms of attackers. But yeah, ever since that head injury, unfortunately for him, it just, it just hasn't clicked. And I, I agree. Uh, he, he's not the answer. Yeah. It, it's, it's going to be tough for Fulham in this one uh, for guys like Tete and Reem and Diop. Like uh, well, Reem is suspended. So we're, we're and, probably going to see have uh, Reem. That's right. Yeah. They're probably so, going to see Bassey who they brought in from, from Ajax in, in the summer. So that's, I mean, that's a tough ask. I know Arsenal doesn't really have right now a striker as we've talked about a lot on these first few shows, but I might not need one against. They might not need one. It might be a, you know, two goals for Saka, one for Martinelli type of a day. Um, I guess for Arsenal, for me, what I've seen in their two games, obviously the striker is something that they, I think they should have addressed by now, 
getting Jesus back. He, I know he's back in training today. So getting him back in the next few weeks or maybe after the international break will be huge for them. But I, I do think they need someone else to kind of push him in the left side. So last year they had a lot of Zinchenko, Grenadaha, Tamarnelli. That left side was very fluid, very cohesive. Through the first two games, and I know they have Declan Rice, who they spent a ton of money on. He's new. And the first game, they had Uren Timber, who now is hurt, unfortunately. They played Tomiyasu in that second game. Right, he's suspended. He'll cycle and he's suspended. So I guess we'll probably get Zinchenko back. That left side for me last year was such a huge reason why, for most of the season, they were competing with Man City for the title. Now that it's a little different, it just doesn't look the same. Now that's not saying it can't get to the point where it'll be just as good as last year, but right now it's just not it's just not as fluid and it's just it's not as cohesive. And maybe getting a number nine that's better than Jesus would help that, but they don't have it right now. So for me, they're I'm kind of with Sean. They're a few notches back, whether it's third or fourth. I'm not sure. I still think they're definitely a top four team, still definitely a Champions League caliber team, but they're, they're for me, way off of Man City right now, even though they are on six points. I think there's a chance, like, with Arsenal, first of all, there's always a chance that they give up goals. I mean, you've seen them leak goals at times in games. Um, but I just, you know, you combine that with the fact that sometimes they don't score. Um, you know, it's kind of like the Manchester United teams when they just weren't just – they were just okay – like, I just think there's a chance in this game that, you know, it's 1-1 late in the game or it's 2-2 or, you know, somebody, you know, there's a chance, I think, for Fulham. I, you know, it could be 5-0, too. I think there's a chance for that. But, you know, I, I just think sometimes against Arsenal, you, you know, if you can find a goal somewhere and, and, and maybe, you know, you, you know you're going to get chances against that back four the way they play. So, you know there's always a chance that you're in the game there late. So you know, we'll see. Fulham has been linked to Davon Zapata from uh, Atlanta in, in Syria. Uh, they're going to be linked to a lot of guys with this, this Mitrovic money. Obviously they need a center forward. So um, be interested to see, see what they do there. Again, that's uh, Fulham at Arsenal. And that is another Saturday, 10 a.m. kickoff uh, East coast U S time. Uh, I do want to move quickly to Sunday where we've got Liverpool, visiting Newcastle that's Sunday at 11.30 a.m. And, Stu, there's been some noise around Mohamed Salah this week, uh, a Saudi bid potentially coming in. Liverpool has uh, reportedly turned that down. But are, are we starting to maybe get towards the end of the Mo Salah era at Anfield? I think we're definitely starting to get towards the end of it. Now, the question for me is, is it this summer or is it next summer? And I think it's next summer. Um, that's always what I thought, at least, you know, seeing these Saudi bids coming in, you kind of figured Salah would be a target down the road. I still think it's next summer. I think it's too late in the window unless, I mean, look, if they give 200 something million, maybe Liverpool has a different view on this. If Salah really, really, really is pushing for an exit, then maybe there's a different view on this. But for me, I think this is, this is probably the last year of Mo Salah at Liverpool. I think the move happens next summer. And then the question is, they get some money for him. What do they do with it? What kind of guy do they bring in to replace him? I mean, right now, they really don't have another right winger. Traditionally, they can play Jota there. He's okay. They can play Gakpo there. It's not really, he's more of a, a false nine slash left winger. 
they can put Harvey Elliott there, but he's obviously not, that's not who should be starting as a, a front three guy for Liverpool. So the question will be eventually who they get to replace him. But right now I think, I, I think he'll still be there, but it's definitely more of a question than it was a week ago. So it's only week three, Liverpool, Newcastle. It's kind of a big game for week three again, between two teams that probably consider themselves challengers for that, that top four. Yeah, I mean, you know, Liverpool already, uh, you know, with a big game opening opening weekend against Chelsea. I mean, if I was Liverpool, I mean, I you know, you already brought in Nunez and you spent all this money on him and you have Jota and you have Diaz and you have these attackers. So, you know, if you get a crazy amount of money, like a hundred million bid, I, I, you know, they might take it. I mean, they're, you know, they're big on net spend. I mean, I would think they'd probably reinvest that in the midfielder or something like that afterwards. But look, the, the thing is with Newcastle, like they, they just don't drop points at home last year. They were really, really good at home. Um, you know, they're, you know, Manchester United here is on a 30-game uh, unbeaten streak at home. Newcastle had the same kind of record at home. You know, last year, I think they drew some games. You know, most of their draws came on the road. Um, uh, it's a tough place to play. I mean, it, you know, I, I think it's going to be open game. I mean, uh, I think there's going to be some attacks. I think there's going to be some goals in this game. Um I think it's going to be pretty highly contested. So we'll just, we'll see what happens. But uh, Newcastle, you know, really, really tough to beat at home. Stu, Liverpool, you like them in this in this game, going to Newcastle, considering how, how tough it is to go to St. James Park and, and pick up a victory? I like them to score some goals. I don't know if I like them to, <laughs> to win the game. Uh, I, I, I could see this being a 3-3, a 3-2, three, 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 maybe 3-2 Newcastle. I, I would probably say it'd be like a 3-3 three, three draw, something like that. There's going to be goals, like Sean said. And I, I guess for me, the, the matchup that I would be most interested in would be that when Newcastle has possession, that left side – I guess I'm going to channel my inner Mike Samsel here when I say this would be a great game for Harvey Barnes because his pace. Again, every game would be a great game for Harvey Barnes. <laughs> that is but. true. That is very true. But I think at his pace on the left side, considering how Liverpool plays, how Trent Alexander-Arnold is, maybe not the greatest defender, let's say, and how open they often leave that right side, I could totally see some, you know, Trippier crossing the ball over the top to a little Harvey Barnes action and not being a, you know, a goal or two plus Ishak is incredible. I'm sure he's going to get at least a goal considering how Liverpool plays and how shaky their defense is at times. Um, but I think Liverpool will score some too. Soboslai looked really, really good against Bournemouth, a massive upgrade over Jordan Henderson on that right side uh, of the midfield. And, and then Salah, I think on that right side can also against Dan Byrne, let's face it. I mean, that's not the greatest, uh, defender either so i think there's definitely there's a chance for a lot of goals i think it could be a really a really fun game for the neutral but as a liverpool supporter it might be one of those where i i have uh my heart in my throat for uh 90 minutes give us give us a four three please uh, um uh let's <laughs> run down that. the it could happen let's let's uh let's run down the rest of the games here and, and guys i i'll run them down and then you jump in uh, at the end, anything that sticks out from you, uh, the game uh, tomorrow on Friday at 3 p.m., Luton Town goes to Chelsea. I, I saw a story today on probably the, the biggest spenders in Chelsea and the lowest spenders in, in Luton Town and, like, the stark difference between the two of them. 
Uh, Chelsea has an affinity for MLS goalkeepers. Apparently, they they signed Gaga Sonina from uh, Chicago Fire last uh, in the in the winter, and then loaned him out to to Belgium. And now they uh, apparently have a 14 million euro deal in place for uh, New England Revolution goalkeeper Jordi uh, Petrovic. He's a Serbian international. He's been really impressive in MLS this year. Uh, in fact, uh, quick. Real uh, good bit of business by the New England Revolution, who last two starting goalkeepers, they acquired the two of them for a combined $700,000 and have sold them for a combined $26 million. So uh, I, that's that's uh, that's one way to do it, right? Um, that's Again, that's a 3 o'clock start uh, tomorrow. The game's on Saturday, the early game Saturday, again, 7.30 a.m. our time. Tottenham goes to Bournemouth. Uh, also Saturday, these uh, next ones are all 10 a.m. games. Crystal Palace goes to Brentford in a London derby. Uh, Wolves against Everton in an already in a relegation uh, six-pointer down at the bottom of the table. West Ham against Brighton, which I find to be an intriguing game. That's in the, the 12.30 slot on Saturday. Uh, and then Sunday, Manchester City goes to Sheffield United. Bromelain will be rocking. I don't think it's going to help them against City. City has just brought in uh, also Jer- Jeremy Doku, the the ringer from the the winger from Rennes in France for 64 million euros. Uh, and then Sunday, Aston Villa goes to Turf Moor uh, to face Burnley in the early game before Liverpool and Newcastle is the late and final game in week three. Guys, what stands out to you about the rest of that that uh, that group? I think I'll be honest. I mean, so, you know, I have the three TV set up and you sit there and you're watching these things. I mean, Manchester United's playing at 10, but I, I think probably the biggest game Saturday is Everton Wolves. Uh, it's a massive game for both teams. I mean, you know, they both, they both have a chance to like turn it around and kind of get going. But I, I just. I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I have more confidence. I, I think I probably have more confidence in Wolves getting a result than I do for Everton to, to get a result. I just – Everton's got – they're banged up. I mean, Wolves are Wolves. I, you know, I just – they are what they are. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, a nil-nil. I wouldn't be surprised to see a one I don't think there's going to be a lot of goals in this game, but I think it's going to be a really competitive game. I mean, it's going to be probably – Probably a lot of cards, probably really competitive and stuff like that. So I think it could be interesting. I think it's only week three, and Goodison Park could get really tense. Oh, on, it's on Saturday. Like, That's right. Yeah, there's a lot of decent games. That's definitely one of them just because we could be looking back here, match week 37, 38, looking back and saying, wow, Everton Wolves, that could be the decider. That could be the one where – let's say Wolves win 2-1 or 1-0, or that could be the reason that they finish 17th and not 18th and why uh, Everton uh, is 18th in that position. Brighton-West Ham is, is an intriguing one, and it's not just the Brighton side. West Ham, too, uh, they looked pretty good against Chelsea, a talented squad, not really a cohesive squad, but a talented squad in Chelsea. Can they build on, on that result? It, I think is a interesting question for me. Ward-Prowse, what he brings to the table, I think is going to be – you lose a guy like Declan Rice, but Ward Prowse in that midfield role, trying to create some goals. I think there could be goals to be had. And the fact that they are closing in on Kudus, the uh, the guy from Ajax, I think as a guy that West Ham can really use, uh, Skamaka signing last year did not work out. They're trying again for another attacking type of guy. Kudus had a hat trick Thursday. So what, what he can probably bring to the table for them might be huge. It might be something to inch them a little closer to the uh, top uh, the top half of the table but 
Brighton's been so good. Especially if being at, at Brighton, they've been free scoring uh, early in the season. Eight, eight goals from the first two games. Again, those were against two teams we think that are going to be in the bottom four or five. Uh, West Ham is, is, a, is a much tougher challenge uh, than Luton or Wolves. Uh, and it's a West Ham team coming in with some momentum. Uh, David Moyes' squad picked up a, a, a nice win over Chelsea at, at home. They were they were down to 10 men, and not only were they able to protect a, a, a lead in that game, they actually went and got a third goal uh, via a, a penalty kick. Uh, so, again, I think this is a little bit of a litmus test for, for Brighton. Yeah, we all love what they've done. We love Matoma and the way he he runs with the ball and the way Deserby has, has coached those guys up and the way he's got them playing. But this is a, a, a much uh, tougher challenge. And I want to see if Brighton can, uh, you know, continue to, to build on what it did the first two weeks. If Brighton goes out there and beats West Ham 3-0, now you know, maybe we got a little something rolling here with them. Look, they're still going to run into the European competition where they're going to have to navigate the, the, the Europa League Thursday, Sunday. But again, it, it's a Brighton team I like. I, I know there's been, you know, people already starting to say, oh, could they finish top four? Well, it's early. It's early, but... Uh, they certainly have talent. They're certainly exciting. And I think uh, it's always good when you get new blood uh, in there challenging for the top four. That's why I like Newcastle kind of getting in there uh, and, and getting top four. I, I know maybe I know it came at the expense of Liverpool, uh, but I, I like the new blood in there. Go ahead, Stu. And, and Brighton, like you kind of said, like the European stuff is going to be starting up. And also after this uh, next game, they have Newcastle. And then right after the international break, they have United. So. Those, those are going to be some pretty big tests, so they might want to get these three points against West Ham uh, this weekend. The Brentford-Crystal Palace game, I think, is pretty interesting. Uh, you know, I think, you know, first of all, it's London, Derby. Uh, you know, both these teams are, you know, exciting and interesting to watch. You know, it's the same thing. It's at 10 o'clock. You know, I, I find sometimes these 10 o'clock kickoffs you know they'll, they'll put these teams Brentford and Crystal Palace and you know Wolves there they'll put kind of these teams but they give you some of the pretty competitive games I mean it's not they're not always uh you know four threes are fun to watch but if you're a fan of the game and you're a fan of like you know real strategic games and you know one nil wins or you know late whatever it is I mean actual like games where the managers have to make changes and affect the game and stuff like that. I think sometimes these games are the ones that are really interesting. They're not, you know, the bigger teams that are, they put on TV and, and uh, you know, those are sometimes the more fun games to watch. Anybody want a word on Tottenham Bournemouth before we move on to around the world? Oh, interest. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I look, I'll be on the road. I'll be interested to see what Spurs do after last week. I mean, that's the key. I mean, you can't just – you can't play up up at home and then go on the road and lay an egg. I mean, look, you got you to gotta play like that every week. You got to bring that intensity every week, and we'll see if they can do that. James Madison uh, absent from training on Thursday. So if they don't have Madison to kind of pilot that ship in the midfield, it, it could be a, a little shaky for them. I, I would still imagine that they come away with the win. But if you don't have Madison, it might be a, a little more challenging uh, than if you have him. Brentford has been much better than I thought it, it would be, given the, the personnel losses it took to, with, with Ivan Tony with the suspension and then the goalkeeper, Raya, going to, to Arsenal. Uh uh, Thomas Frank has kind of kept that that machine humming, and uh, they've been able to to pick up uh, four points from the first uh, 
for the first two games. So with that, we are now going to our segment that we call Around the World. As it gets, it's going to get worse every single episode, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, the Champions League uh, playoff ties, the first legs were completed this week. I'm just going to run down the scores from them. There were six, there were six games. Uh, Antwerp 1-0 over Ike Athens. Uh, Antwerp was able, uh, the champions of Belgium were able to hang on there after going down to 10 men early in the second half. Uh, Rangers 2, PSV 2 from Ibrox. Funny enough, that was the first, that was the score last season when they met in the Champions League playoff. Uh, and then Rangers actually then went and, and won the second leg in Eindhoven to advance uh, into the group stage. Copenhagen 1, Rakow Sedekoa of Poland, nil. Uh, Galatasaray, three. Uh, Molde of Norway, two. Braga from Portugal, two. Pentheonikos of Greece, one. And Maccabi Haifa of Israel, nil. Young Boys of Switzerland, nil. Guys, uh, what stood out to you from those those six games? Were there any teams from that grouping who you thought if they get into the Champions League, into the group stage, they could maybe be a, be a tough opponent? I watched the Braga game. You know, the, the Portuguese league is pretty tough. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how. That stadium is the nicest stadium in Europe. It's carved into the side of a mountain. The fourth side of the stadium is an actual mountain. It's really, really awesome. They built it for the Euros back in 2004 when Greece opened the tournament with a win over Portugal and closed it with a win over Portugal. But, um. I think they could be a little bit tricky. I think you know they always have talent. They give they give the teams uh, you know Porto and 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 uh, Benfica problems all the time. But you know I think most of these teams you know obviously everybody wants to see Rangers I guess except for Celtic. But uh, you know I, I don't know if any of these teams can really do too much about that. And uh, I got I got a bounce here, so I just want to say uh, you know. I'm excited for these champs. I'm excited for the draw next week. So uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll kind of see that. So, so but, uh, Sean is gonna gonna head out here. So Stu and I will will wrap up the the around the world. Stu, Champions League. There, anything um, stick out from you uh, from those six games? Yeah, I, I watched a little bit of PSV Rangers, yeah. and again, I'm not. I don't know if they can make a deep run of Champions League. I'm not gonna say that, but but PSV can play. I mean, Luke De Jong is is a Pretty good striker. I think he's a guy that could definitely find some goals. Uh, Sangari, I know he scored as well. He's a player. I Liverpool's actually been linked to one of like a million guys uh, this summer transfer window, but I've, that's a guy I've kind of paid a little more attention to. He could play. So, you know, Dest uh, had, got some action in that game. So, yeah, I guess right in it started. Yeah, right a, in it started an, on the a, left it's side. A, it's an American outpost there at, at PSV. <laughs> now they've brought yeah. three guys, and of course, only one of them played the other day. So that might be, uh, <laughs> oh God, I don't know if that's the right spot for you there, guys. But um, yeah, no, I, I I thought that PSV Rangers game was really entertaining. Um, and I think that second leg is going to be really good back in back in Eindhoven. I think that's the one I'm looking forward to the most. Those are probably the two uh, biggest brand name teams definitely that that were left in the side. I actually kind of like that Antwerp team too from, from Belgium. If you, if you actually followed the Belgium league at all, it had a thrilling finish last year on the last day of the season where the title changed hands, I think three times in the last five minutes in, in stoppage time between three different clubs. Um, and, and Antwerp actually won the title on the last kick of the ball. You may remember this name, Jan Vertonghen. He used to play for Tottenham, scored on a screamer, 
uh, in stoppage time that gave them the title over uh, Genk. Uh, and and that ended up getting them into the playoff round here. And the Belgium League, Belgian League is actually, a, it's a fun uh, up and down sort of league. Um, and that's a team I think that could be a, a little bit tricky if, if it's able to to navigate a, a trip to Athens, which is not which is not easy, and and then get into the uh, the the group stage. I do want to talk about Messi FC before we before we go because Messi FC is still in line is in line to do a double here. <laughs> they won the league, they won this league's cup last week, and then just this week, uh, Messi FC of course is Inter Miami. They went to Cincinnati, uh, who is right now on top of uh, the table in MLS and for the supporters shield and came from two goals down to tie it at two, two Messi assisted on both goals on the last goal. He, he dropped a dime onto the, the striker's head in the, in the 98th minute, in the eighth minute of, of stoppage time to, to force the, the extra time. And then Miami actually took the lead three, two in extra time. Cincinnati came back, scored, uh, in the second half of extra time to make it 3-3, it went to a shootout. Miami won that shootout 5-4, and that will host the Houston Dynamo uh, in the U.S. Open Cup final. Uh, and that's kind of the, the American version of uh, the, the FA Cup. But his transformation of, of that club, just, just to give you uh, uh, the, the difference here, because um, I went in and pulled it up here, but uh, Inter-Miami, before Leo Messi got there, dead last. In MLS, has not has not won in eleven straight league matches. So fifteenth place in the Eastern Conference, eighteen points. You have to finish in the top nine to qualify for playoffs in MLS from your your conference. There's two conferences, there's an East and a West. Chicago Fire has thirty two points right now. They're in the number nine spot. So so Messi's team has got to make up fourteen points with eleven games to go and pass one, two, three, four, five, six other clubs to make MLS cup playoffs that may be, look, I don't want to, I don't want to put anything past Messi, right? Like this team was awful before he got there. Now he's brought his friends in Busquets and Jordi Alba, and they've made a couple other, other shrewd signings and they've hired Tata Martino to come in and be the coach. So that makes a, a, a massive difference as well. But this guy is setting the, 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 the league on fire. He has actually played a league game, but he's come in here. He's setting it on fire. Uh, I, I know people have been critical of the level of MLS. Let's not act like Messi wasn't doing this to La Liga teams when he was at Barcelona for years and years and years and years. And then he went and did it at PSG. And then he's done it for Argentina time and time again. Like, this guy is the GOAT. Like, he is one of the greatest athletes of all time. And I think it's pretty cool that uh, he's here in, in America. Fans are getting a chance to see him live and in person. I mean, these 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 tickets are just going for ridiculous prices anytime he plays right like when he when he was in philadelphia the other day when they played the union 350 bucks for a standing room only ticket like these these are the hottest ticket in town when he comes to town and he is here and he is this is not a retirement for him like he is taking it like he was playing real madrid when he was with barcelona um and it, it's just been it's been really fun to watch. Now I hope if they play end up playing the Union again in the playoffs, the Union come out with a different plan and beat them. Uh, but it's been it's been really unique to see the way he has captivated audiences and even even non soccer fans who have um, kind of you know turned in tuned in to, to some of this stuff uh, because he is is such a famous name and such a tremendous player. 
And that was my, that was my, my messy FC soapbox. Um, if you want a soliloquy, this is now how your chance to, <laughs> to, to do that. No, I think what you said at the end, Kyle, I think the biggest thing out of anything is just the attention he's going to bring to the sport and the game that we love, right? Like I have, I've had at least five people who are sports fans, but not soccer fans, you know, ask me about him or say, oh, wow, I can't believe he's doing this or trying to ask me, well, how does this uh, cup work? And what do you mean they haven't played a, a, a regular season game and, and all of that, but just the interest that it's bringing to the non-soccer fan, I think is, you know, whether he gets a bunch of trophies, whether he gets inter Miami into the playoffs or not this season, whatever he does next season, I think the interest that he's going to bring to the United States and, you know, hopefully just get people into soccer. Cause I mentioned it on an earlier episode of podcast. I'm 31. I spent 25, 26 years being like, oh, soccer, uh, whatever, soccer, soccer. I'll watch every four years. I'll watch the World Cup. That's it. I don't, I don't really care about any of these clubs, any of these teams. It's whatever. And then now it's my favorite sport by far. It's the sport that I spend the most time watching, most time reading about. So it can happen for anyone. It, you, you, just because you're an NFL fan and you don't really like soccer doesn't mean you can't you know, learn to love the sport of soccer. So I think Messi being in the United States, playing the way he is, putting on the show that he is, and like you said, not just a retirement tour. That's not just Messi showing up. It's Messi actually dominating the sport. Uh, it's just ma massive for the United States and, and the sport of soccer. Yeah, and by the way, next game for uh, Miami is going to be at the New York Red Bulls on uh, the 26th. So that's going to be Saturday night. He'll be at the Red Bulls. So that place will be rocking in a way it hasn't been for, for a long, long time. They struggled to actually draw there. The Red Bulls, they haven't put a great product on the field for a few years, uh, but I can I can guarantee you, man, that, that those tickets already long gone for that one. And by the way, I, I think Messi intends to play in the World Cup in 2026 in the United States. I think he Definitely. absolutely yeah. intends to play one more World Cup. Um, and this is kind of like a, a, a sort of precursor to that um, coming here to, to MLS um, and, and, and doing what he's doing. And by, by all accounts, like his teammates, he's a great teammate from what all, all the players have said, the way he has come in and, and treated the, the players on, on that team. And, and he just lifts the level of all the players around him, right? These are guys, some of these guys are pretty average players, right? On a pretty bad team before he got there. And he, he just lifts their level uh, to somewhere they, they, they're playing out of their minds right now. Um, so that is going to be a wrap on our uh, show tonight. Remember to follow us on Box to Box Football on on Twixter. We're going with Twixter. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. You can uh, hit us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Likes, comments, all that stuff. Um, and hopefully we'll we'll get the team uh, back together next week. Mike Sampson will be off suspension. JJ Duke will, will will be in here too. I'm sure he'll have some thoughts on the the United game as well. Um, so once again, thanks for thanks for joining us. Um, and uh, you know, give us give us those stars. But you know, we uh, we we like to see it.